0: After I discovered that the word intersex existed, um, I was like, why? Can I curse? It's called bitch. Please <laughs> yeah. do. That's what
1: Julie keeps coming back.
0: <laughs> I don't know why I asked that, because I'm like, let's just be who I am. Um, why the fuck didn't she tell me that the word intersex existed? I'm sure she knew, but I think that is telling of the medical establishment's agenda of, of keeping this a secret, of not wanting to change their practices, because if they did, then they would have to fess up that they were wrong for years.
1: Welcome to Bitch Talk. I'm your host, Aaron, here with my co-host, Ange, aka Captain Party. And over the last 10 years, we've been elevating marginalized voices through interviews and events
2: sometimes over a glass of whiskey but if you're thirsty for more bitches find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and follow us on instagram
1: a big thank you to 48 hills and our listeners for voting us best of the bay best podcast in 2022
2: and now on with the show
1: what up bitch talkers we are here in san francisco downtown san francisco speaking with uh one of our favorites returning to bitch talk director julie cohen we have producer tommy Nguyen, and we have participant river gallo from the film everybody thank you for coming on bitch talk
3: thank you great to be here
1: uh julie we'll have you start first can you tell our audience uh what everybody is all about
4: Yes, everybody is all about intersex activists, part of a growing and blossoming human rights movement right now of intersex people and their allies. That's um, intersex people being those whose biology, their anatomy, their chromosomes, or some combination mean that they don't fit neatly into those male and female boxes that we have been falsely told are uh, the only two potentials uh, for human possibilities. In fact, there are so many different uh, variations um, and including uh, the biological variations that define intersex people. In this day and age, um, after a period where a lot of intersex people weren't talking uh, publicly about the the rights issues that, that impact them, largely often because uh, doctors and parents were kind of keeping information for, from them or telling them like, oh, it's better not to talk about this. People are going to be freaked out by it. Um, you know, but our expanding notion of gender has led people to say like, wait a second, there's nothing to hide here. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And and people like uh, River, who stars in the film, along with Alicia and Saifa, are coming out loudly and proudly standing up for their own rights and the rights of others, and that's kind of the movement that the film documents.
2: Well, Julie, your job sounded simple enough. Um, I, really unbelievable. Thank you. I learned so much and uh, I'm, I'm still learning because of your film. I, I hope people walk away a lot more curious and a lot more ready to have these conversations. Um, but, but one of the things I learned is that 1.7% of our population um, is intersex in some way, shape or form. So if Tommy and Julie, you can both talk about sort of the pressures of tackling this topic that nobody talks about and also how you were able to pare down a story with so much to say.
3: Yeah well I credit Julie for finding the thread to this story. I tried pitching this story for many years and that's why Julie found me at NBC News. Um, I knew that after I did my uh, story about transgender children that this would be the next warfront that we should talk about. Um, by the time I left NBC it didn't come to fruition And so when Julie came with not only the story about these amazing activists and also the the story of David Reimer, it just made so much sense. And it had sort of like this amazing weight to the story now that I didn't see because I knew the David Reimer story existed, but didn't put two and two together. So I really hope people watch this story and know that, it's a movement that took a while to get going, and I think timing is amazing because when I did this, when I tried doing the story in 2014, 2015, I think the activist movement about, behind us wasn't strong enough to really raise a voice, and Julie caught it at the exact time, so that's really fortunate.
4: One of the great things about a movement of people coming forward and speaking up for themselves is, um, you know, there's something... I find really moving about that whole process and so i just feel really grateful that uh we were able to bring our put our cameras uh let our cameras roll while uh river sypha and alicia were doing their thing which is really something that's amazing thought provoking and just deeply inspiring to watch that's how we felt when we were making this film and we think and hope that viewers are going to feel the same way when they watch it
2: Mm.
1: um River, you you speak a lot about giving your mom grace and understanding who you are um, now in the world, which it was really touching and made me think a lot about family and giving them grace too. But um, when did that realization come to you um, and when was the light bulb moment?
0: Honestly, I think it wasn't until really making this movie that I fully came to terms with that grace that you're bringing up. I think when I came out, um, which was in 2017 as intersex, it was really conflicting for me. First, I felt the sense of kind of betrayal on the medical establishment. I had, at the time, I thought was an amazing um, endocrinologist who was really lovely. and But then the more I thought about it after I came out and after I discovered that the word intersex existed... Um, I was like, "Why can I curse?" It's called bitch. Please <laughs> do. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that literally keeps coming back. <laughs> I don't know why
0: I asked that because I'm like, let's just yes. be who I am. Yes. Um, why the fuck didn't she tell me that the word intersex existed? I'm sure she knew, um, but I think that is telling of. Um, the the medical establishment's agenda for for why of of keeping this a secret of of not wanting to change their practices because if they did then they would have to fess up that they were wrong for years which is really what the dr money david reimer story brings up um because even after what was it after it was they said that it was like it was debunked. What year was that? Uh,
4: right. I mean, that was in the late uh, late 90s that um, this case, which is sort of a foundational case for how intersex people have been treated. Um, there was a study saying, like, but, but basically, you can g- – gender is very malleable. And if you make uh, some changes, surgical, hormonal, and otherwise, by age two and a half or three – um, then basically you could raise any child as any gender. Hence, if we have an intersex child, let's just make things simple. Pick a gender, force the child into that gender with medical interventions and with all the trappings. You know, like here's what you wear, here are the toys you play with, all of the gender bullshit. Because we're cursing today, yes. that, uh, <laughs> that that goes that goes along with that. Like then that'll just make it's just like that. Oh, won't that make everyone's life easier? Well, yeah, maybe it makes everyone's life easier except the person whom you're forcing in a box that they don't belong in. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so this this, this study uh, was debunked in the late 90s, but um, the debunking just never quite caught on as well as the studies themselves uh, had. So um, while things with the treatment of intersex kids are, are changing, it's not, it, you know, things aren't the same as when river was a kid that it was like you know gold standard oh we just do surgery we've got it and now it kind of varies depends what state you're in depends how aware the doctors are this is still going on as think, as people and doctors and healthcare providers get more educated it's going on less but i think it would be great if it went on even less than it does like why should we be forcing people why should we doing all of these you know, unnecessary medical interventions on people who not only don't need them, but will also be harmed by them.
0: Well, to to answer your question about the grace of my parents, I think it wasn't until I realized more about like the larger macro view of that my parents were sort of victims to a larger oppressive force of the medical establishment influenced by Capitalism and patriarchy, (laughs) we love, Um, but that you know, my parents were, you know, migrants from El Salvador who came here in the eighties, and to them it was a miracle that I was born in a hospital because they they were they were not born in hospitals. They were, you know, my mom grew up in literally on a dirt floor, like tin shack. So I. Of course, she would listen to whatever um, the doctors um, recommended um, for the best of for of my health um, and livelihood. So it wasn't until, honestly, like a few years after that, and honestly, the the um, the BLM protest, and I think, kind of uh, in twenty twenty, this this kind of awakening in terms of, like, race and inequity that made me kind of realize more about how um, how race was an influential part of my story and my parents' story and was integral into, you know, growing up intersex as a person of color, Um That I was able to kind of take a macro look and be like, wow, my parents did really try the best that they could. But that there were larger forces at play that even as loving and as intelligent and as caring as they were, they could not, uh, they couldn't be, you know.
2: Uh, Yeah, I do have to say, River, your mother's love for you is palpable through the screen. Um, So it was a very beautiful, relatable moment to, to watch that part of your story. Um, but I think a big hole in you know what I kept seeing with the film was, oh, we're going to do this for the parents, to protect the parents, but nobody's talking about the kids and how are the kids going to feel and how this is going to affect them. So um, what can you say, River, to parents who might be dealing with this or to children who just are so scared to come out?
0: I would say to parents dealing with this, as much as it's scary for you and uncomfortable for you, it's tenfold for the actual child dealing with the, you know, I, I I forget what study I was reading or what article, but like, you know, the interventions that doctors do in the trauma causes are akin to sexual assault. I mean, what you're doing is forcefully touching children's genitals like over and over again. And I think what I've realized is um, that it has had larger effects in my life and in relation in the relationship that I have with my body and, and my genitals. And um, that's all to say, it's just like for the parents, it's like I think parents need to support their intersex kids that much more and love them that much more and um, support them in everything that they want to do in their lives, not just in relation to the treatment of their bodies, but um, how to arm them with um, the tools and resources that they feel like they can be their, their whole selves. Um, I think I think for intersex kids it's it's so scary. It's truly so scary, but I think as Julie pointed out that it's it's different. It's a little different now, you know, with the internet. You could literally find community now. You could find other intersex people. And so I would recommend for intersex parents and and to help intersex children find other intersex people to talk to because That community and that connecting to other people with a similar experience was a total game changer for me. And I think, above all, it's the struggle um, and the loneliness and the shame that is the biggest um, challenge growing up intersex.
3: If I could just add, um, there are signs that things are getting better. The the young woman mother of an intersex child in our film um, you don't see it in the film, but she has told me that she's going to raise her daughter, at this point a daughter, um, as an intersex child, and she'll, she'll know, the child will know. And I probably interviewed about five or six parents before we settled on Erica. Erica was willing to actually be on camera for us. I would say all of them were waiting. All of them at various points were getting more knowledge about what was happening, um, not only to their lives, but their, their children's life. But I think most of them were waiting. So things, signs are that things are getting better.
1: I know Tommy talked about a little bit earlier about the David, is it Rhymer? Yeah, Reimer's, Reimer's story. Yeah. Um, can you talk about why it was important to bring that up maybe to you and to Julie um, in the film and um, how did you find out about it yourself?
3: Well, it's just amazing that when I was doing this story, it kind of felt like, okay, it makes sense that any parent will want to correct their child if they need correction, That's if the doctor's tell them that. But I had no idea it was because of a model of care that this man created, Dr. Money, that affected all these children. And that was mind-blowing. mind-blowing. I think that sort of storyline adds a weight to this story that I didn't see back then. Um, so the fact that Julie found this story, the fact it was amazing that, you know, our bosses at NBC asked Julie, go through our archives. There might be a story out there you might want to you know, look into. That that story was out there and that even Keith Morrison, the correspondent of that, of that piece, actually asked the question. Because it's already a very captivating story. I don't think Keith really needed to ask that question, but he did. Did you know that because of your story, all these children who are, he called them intersexuals, uh, Um, intersex children their care was based on a lie that your doctor told so that was just amazing to me and so I always thought that when we were doing this story it might be tough to do both of them but um, together but you weave them so well Julie it's just amazing
4: yeah, I mean, this 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 case which was uh twin boys, one of whom had a penis injury and a circumcision that um then Dr. Money, who was a sex researcher and uh, one of the earliest people kind of studying gender um at Johns Hopkins going back to the 50s and 60s, um he made the decision to um have the, the, to basically turn this biological baby boy into a girl. With the thought that, like, oh, you know, he's still a baby, and because he was an identical twin, Dr. Money would have this perfect twin study that could, quote-unquote, prove his argument that... A boy could be raised as a girl, and then extending that thought to, like, therefore, an intersex baby can be raised in kind of like any old gender that we feel like raising them in. So that's kind of the uh, foundation for so much of this mistreatment over, over many decades. So in our film, we try to go dip back into this historical story, but keep the focus, you know, really centering the stories of today's intersex people who are just doing so much to fight for their own rights and to fight for the rights of other people coming up behind them.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you that archival footage, Mm. uh, we don't live in a perfect world today, but if someone asked me if I wanted to go in a time machine to the past, I'd be like, I'm good, because that archival footage was frightening. Um, Anyway, I don't want our audience to think that this Film is just about the trauma because there is so much joy in this film as well and thriving. Our, our three main participants of the story are completely thriving. Um, so I'd, I'd love to hear um, examples of some beautiful moments on set, maybe some surprising stories that came out and how you were able to show the diversity of the experience.
3: Well, they're so funny. <laughs> I mean, I've seen maybe three screenings now where people are just rolling in their chairs when <laughs> Rivers says how ugly uh, New Jersey is. <laughs> I mean, and they were just they're so delightful. So I guess if they weren't humorous people, it would be less to work with. But obviously, Julie's soundtrack and the, 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 you know, the frolicking at the very end, it all adds to a mood that I never expected would happen just starting into this movie, but it totally made sense. And people come away with, with these wonderful tears and laughter, and they can't wait to talk about this story. And they do it because it's such a good story, but there's so much knowledge that they know now that they can't wait to tell people how much they know about this, <laughs> this topic. So that's really, that's really great.
0: I was I I was had a lot of reservations about the dancing part. I was like, <laughs> what was like, wait, and I think that's like, like in the end, I'm like, yeah, aren't we yeah. supposed to do the <laughs> frolicking? <laughs> and then I, look, then I look so confused. That, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> the
4: call sheet said frolicking, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think it's the best the best title sequence of a movie. It's just so great to see like bodies in movement, like mm-hmm. celebrating themselves, and I. I just I love how much um how much happiness there is despite all the um all the trauma. It's really for me and especially when we did the premiere at Tribeca, you know, there were so many intersex people in the audience that just were just so happy. Um and I think that's a testament to um just Julie's vision to want to make sure that we were uplifted and empowered um and and fully got to um you know, be, be stars of, of a movie, truly.
4: What one more can I say? I think that's beautiful. I will say relevant to that. Let's also a shout out to um, some of the musical artists, such as Lizzo and Bruce Springsteen. They do not have to let us license their music at very reduced costs, and yet uh, they did. It adds so much. Uh, River is a lifelong Springsteen fan, as am I, and we were thrilled that uh, that the boss allowed us to license <laughs> a um, an unexpected version of the Scottish singer Amy Macdonald um, singing. an incredible version of Born to Run that really Mm -hmm. I think helps uh, boost River's story
1: Um, we have to wrap but Julie thank you again for um, being on Bitch Talk and for uh, being such an intentional filmmaker like everything we've since RBG all of the things that we've covered thank you so much Um, we've been speaking with director Julie Cohen producer Tommy Nguyen and participant River Gaio from the film Everybody thanks so much for being on Bitch Talk
3: Thank thank you thank
1: you Thanks for joining us on today's show. You can find more information about this episode in our show notes.
2: If you're missing us, you can visit us at bitchtalkpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter and buy us a cup of coffee.
1: Did you know we're also on the radio? You can find us at bff.fm.
2: And lastly, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the cool bitches are doing it. This podcast is a proud member of the bff.fm podcast network.